Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the news stories that matter to you. Harder. Older. Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the show. I'm Julia Hartley-Brewer and you're with Talk TV. Awful lot to talk about today, both at home and abroad. And who better to join me to talk about all those big stories but Chris Parry, former NATO and Royal Navy Commander. I have to say, we get a very big response whenever you're on there. From the ladies and the gents, I have to say, agree no. with us. They're like, we agree with everything you say. No, I pay them a lot. You pay them, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the best way to do it, best way to do it. Look, there's so much to talk about. Um, I mean, your, your area of special expertise, um, the army, we did have the, the head of the British Army outgoing. This is when they start talking much more freely, but we know <laughs> all the military chiefs have all been saying this for time immemorial, um, and, uh, and especially in recent years, that you know we don't have a military that's big enough um, this was particularly about the army not being big enough. We, we, we're going to need to have a citizen's army. We're going to need to have the British public you know, called up. Now, the, the prime minister had to say yesterday, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not moving to conscription. Um, but, but even the head of the army pointed out, no, what he was saying was that he wanted a citizen's army, but we need to have backup. We have a far smaller army than Russia. We look at, you know, what Russia's done in Ukraine. Numbers matter. Everyone thought we'd just be fighting cyber robot wars in the sky by now. Not the case. Trench warfare in Ukraine right now, as I speak. Uh, we need to have enough people to fight. Um, do you think that we should be encouraging people like sign up reservists to have this sort of design? Because an awful lot of other European countries do. The ones on the front line with Russia, they all do. They all have people signing up doing that. Well, uh, Julia, the fact of life is one of the things that both uh, the situation with Gaza and in Ukraine has exposed is if your opponent can see the bottom of your locker, whether that's ammunition or manpower, he's going to go, OK, I'm going I'm to wear you down. You talk uh, the game, but you can't deliver. That's right. Now, I think the message from Patrick, who, whom I know really well, is the right one. We need to reconfigure our country to face this strategic competition. It's not about just the armed forces. Yeah. The whole country has to gear against the threat from Russia, China, Iran and North Korea. Now, my own view is the solution is different. What we should do is say to people who have been in the armed forces, look, um, for the next five years, we'll pay you a little retainer. Just keep your skill levels up. And if necessary, uh, we'll put you in the front line. And a lot of people would sign up for that. But we also have to... I'm afraid, acclimatise our population to the fact 
that what happened in the 1930s could happen again. Yeah. If that's the case, you're going to have to defend your liberties. And it's not enough well, to say this is an economic platform where I just enjoy my life and I have no responsibility. We, we asked our audience about this yesterday. I have to say, I was quite surprised by how many people got in touch and said, no, I wouldn't fight for this country, I wouldn't fight for this government. And I'm like, well, would you fight for your... Government, exactly, yeah. exactly. Do the government. Would you fight for your family, for your freedoms? And, and I think, you know, my generation, you know, I'm in my 50s. You know, I've not had to you know, see a loved one off to war at any point. You know, the Falklands happened when I was at secondary school. But, you know, that was something that, you know, the army did over there. No, it didn't. And, they, the Navy did 85 Navy did, oh, of it, oh, right. oh, and the Army did Navy, 50% of it. Guess, guess which armed forces <laughs> element the uh, Army was in? It's, Navy. it's, it's, it's a fair point. Okay, we, and we do have a habit of conflating yeah. Army and military, not the same yeah. thing. And this was specifically, this was General Sir Patrick Sanders talking about the Army specifically, uh, but this, this holds for all of them. Is our, our, the unwillingness of many people to... Um, except, you know, the, the rights and responsibilities that go with those rights. These things didn't just happen. People fought and died for it. But also, crucially, that, that we are living in a much more dangerous world. Um, the description I heard uh, um, this morning, someone was saying, you know, we no longer live in a post-war world, as in post-Second World War, post-Cold War. We live in a pre-war world. We are going to be looking at conflict. And people think you're doom-mongering, but the reality is the best way to prevent another war of any kind that we have to get involved in is for us to look like a viable opponent, for us to have the defences, for us to have the, the willpower and the manpower to fight to defend ourselves. And, 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 you know, speak softly, carry a big stick. But we ain't got the stick. The basic thing is, Julia, uh, I think everybody's waking up to the fact that we've got a threat uh, coming inbound. I think we've been used to globalisation uh, and I think the whole idea of actually defending what you value in your nation yeah. state has gone away. Uh, we've had large amounts of uh, migration, obviously. That's diluted, if you like, some of that view. Although, actually, an awful lot of uh, recent immigrants often tend to have much stronger affiliation. They did come to Britain. Um, you know, legal migrants, obviously, people who've come to Britain wanted to make it their home because they like the values um, and actually have very strong affiliation you know, to the flag, to the monarchy and to our values. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to tell you the truth, Julie, as you say, seven of our European uh, uh, partners have national service of some sort. In Denmark, for example, you can either do uh, military service or you can do civil service. Norway's the same. Uh, and so... To my mind, actually, some form of postmodern national service is actually viable. Would, it wouldn't you, do a lot of our young people uh, any harm, I think, to have I a little think bit of discipline. I think it would give you a lot of new skills, and I think it would give you a lot of confidence. It'll offset camaraderie, community yeah, spirit, all those sort of things, and actually reinforce why it is. Uh, we have to be out there in the world doing good. But this is the thing. When our children are being told that everything about this country is a terrible, yeah. terrible thing, our history is terrible, our heritage is terrible, we stole lots of architects, we enslaved people, we're an awful country, we're a horrible, white, racist, patriarchal, whatever, you name it. And we're, we're good at it. We're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, everything, we're everything wrong in the world. So why would people think there was something worth defending? So many young people simply don't believe that this is a, a country, this is a culture, these are values this is worth defending. Well, the thing is, Julia, if you've been in Ukraine, I think, in 2014, and you've seen the attitudes to the government then, the corruption, all the other yeah. things... No one is ever pretending that this was a perfect government. No, no. So Ukraine, you probably would have heard the same. But now, yeah. you know, Russia has invaded, and two years ago, there was hardly anybody not signing up to go to the front line. Mm -hmm. Men, women, anybody. And uh, I think uh, once the... Uh, I, I said A lot of people also avoiding it. A lot of people leaving the country. Yeah, but what people don't seem to realise is, you know, the same missiles that are landing in Kiev can actually land in Kent. 
Yeah. And once that threat comes closer, once it becomes more apparent, I That's think it. young people again will say, you know what? I get it. The fact that I've been taught really bad history, the yes. fact that I conflate anybody who's uh, right of centre with Nazis uh, is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and so what did you learn? Because all you learn in A-level history is about Hitler and the Second World War. Yeah. So how come you don't actually yeah. know the true nature of fascism Absolutely. and Nazism? Absolutely, yeah. And also, yeah, why, why do you have pictures of Lenin on your wall? Uh, well, it's like, uh, you know, well, well, I remember... He killed, killed even more people. I remember Che Guevara in the 70s, yeah. T-shirts all the time. Yeah. And I remember saying to my fellow students, you do realise he's a mass murderer and torturer, don't you? Yeah. Oh, no, but it's really cool, it's isn't cool it? It's a cool T-shirt. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, having spent more time in, uh, in Central and South America, I'm more, rather more aware of that. I mean, I, there would be a group of youngsters who perhaps you think might be quite useful on the front line, but, of course, they talk a good game with their weapons. Whether they can actually walk the wall is a question, and that is those who are carrying these zombie-style knives. Now, um, two announcements today, one from the government... Um, and, and one from Labour. The, la the government has said they're clamping down on zombie-style knives. They say that zombie knives uh, uh, aren't, being, aren't allowed to be sold, but, but zombie-style knives, these massive, I mean, these huge big machete things with serrated edges on both sides. Um, uh, they, there's a legal loophole in England and Wales where they have been able to uh, uh, sell them, but also the, the original ban was for those which had, you know, words or images on them, like kill or something, which meant that they were encouraging people, but if you didn't have the words or images, then you could still sell them, which is insane. But at the same time, we have Labour Party saying that rehashing, and again, this is a rehash thing, rehashing to their plan to get a grip on knife crime, uh, saying they'll put £100 million, again, that money's already been announced by them, on sort of basically looking at cutting the availability of those knives, but also plans for all offenders, and, and again, a lot about, lot about youth workers and all of that. Now, I'm sure some of this is worthwhile, but again, it's all been announced many times. It's very, very simple to me. Do you live in a jungle? No. Are you planning to go to a jungle in the next week? No. Then you can't buy a machete-style, zombie-style knife. You have no business having this. And an instant, an instant five years behind bars, no quibble, no question, if you are caught carrying one. Would that work? Well, Julia, there's, there's lots of things. I, I fundamentally believe you've got to uh, attack the cultural issues here that underpin this. Uh, you, you know, you say these people might be good for the armed forces. No, they wouldn't, actually, because I'm afraid cowards carry these sorts of knives because they actually want to use them against people who haven't got them. Yeah. Uh, some of them say, well, other people are carrying so them. I so I have I've to, got to yeah. have them. OK, so that's a self-fulfilling thing. My, my view on this is very aggressive stop and search. And if people need to go to prison... They go to prison. And if we... So we haven't got the prison space. Well, in that we case, what we do is we use them to build the prisons and then yes. they can maintain them afterwards. We did and that and they'd have a good life skill, brick leg. Absolutely. And you know, bars and things. But There is just such a lack of political will to courage. get anything done. I tell you what, this is, I've, I've said this for years now. If it was white, middle-class kids of politicians who were getting stabbed in the street and lived in the sort of neighbourhoods where kids routinely had these, trousers, these knives down their trousers, they would have done something about it. But it's, you know, it's black kids, it's poor kids. They're on the other side of, you know, the big cities they live in. They don't care. But conversely, we can't stop and search them, even though it is that... In the, look, we all know... That yeah, most, most mums on poor housing estates would yeah. rather their kids were stopped and searched. Yeah. And you can still do it respectfully. I want to go, it's not fun, it's not good. I'm sure it's horrible, especially, you know, if you're being stopped and searched every week. I completely understand. But if that will mean that no-one else is carrying Nobody's a knife... Nobody's killed. And also, metal detectors. Why don't we have more metal detectors? They cost about £1,500 each. 
put them in shops, put them in other places where you're constantly unaware of when you're going to be detected with a knife on you. I, my thing is always a giveaway. It's like if the local school has got a, a metal detector, don't send your kid to that school <laughs> and move out if you can. No, but that's the thing, you know. But, I'm sure the school you went to, school I went to, school my daughter goes to, if they don't have male detectors, they don't need to. My, my experience from my, my life, lifetime working is if you have random checks on people when they don't know they're going to be nicked, then things don't happen. Bad things don't they, they happen. Get, they get the message uh, pretty quickly. That's the point. Let me also ask you about another story. It's actually on the front page of The Guardian, which uh, may not perhaps be in many of our audiences, but first, you know, breakfast time reading uh, for obvious reasons. I used to work. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details the guardian and i can understand why uh, i know <laughs> me at the guardian it was a long year um but um there apparently downing street wants to give uk families higher priority for social housing so that's council homes and housing association homes in what they call a controversial scheme don't think it's very controversial to most of us that will be badged as british homes for british workers they've uh, they're going to launch a consultation in the coming weeks on how they can give british citizens faster access to social housing um basically you know it's all about you know tackling the the, fact, the idea that you know immigrants are getting your housing now it is a simple matter of fact uh, matt goodwin uh, pointed this out and got a load of grief for it but that 48 percent of social housing in london um, has gone to households headed by someone born abroad. Now, they may well be a British citizen now, but they were born abroad. That is a statistical fact. Um, we're also in a situation where, I mean, we had net migration last year of 745,000. Net migration, more people coming into this country to live here, work here, than left. But only about 200,000 houses were actually built last year, whether that's actually houses that were completed or not, I don't know. Um, um, and only 9,500 new social homes added last year. Well, We've got 745,000 more people. You're only building 200,000 new homes and only a tiny percentage of those are social homes. Well, what a surprise. There aren't enough social homes, uh, you know, affordable social homes for people who are already here because you're not even, not even touching the sides of that need. Julia, uh, the one thing I'd love to hear from any party is joined up government. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm afraid to say every department operates, it operates to its own objectives. They do it at the expense of each other. And you've just pointed out one of the fundamental anomalies. We're flooding the country with people. We don't have social, we don't have housing, we don't have health or educational provision. Yeah. Uh, and so what does the Cabinet Office do if it doesn't coordinate this comprehensive activity? You know, we've got to have a strategic approach. I, I've always said this. The, the best way a democracy can operate is you marry a strategic approach. Uh, so you say, look, for the next 25 years, we have a cross-party view of where this country is going. And then you get the electoral politicians to implement and, yeah. and resource it. Uh, could you do that? I think there's so much difference now. I mean, they end up operating a lot of the same policies, but they pretend that they want different well, things. Well, you do a Royal Commission or, or you do a Again, Committee of the Privy Council. They, uh, Royal Commissions are a way of kicking things into the long grass. Not if I chair it. Oh, I put you in charge of everything <laughs> and you know that. Well, I'd love to ask him. We do look, I, I know a lot of people, we've actually already got a call in on, on, on conscription, which I, I do want to talk about because I know a lot of people want to talk about that. We talked about it on the show yesterday and asked you whether you'd be willing to fight for your country or not. But I also want to hear from you today about this government plan to give UK families higher priority for social housing as part of a new scheme, British Homes for British Workers. I want to know, do you welcome this? And tell us why. The Guardian thinks it's controversial. Uh, give us a call 0344 499 You can text on 8722 or you can get in touch on X at Talk TV. I have to say this bit calls a charge at the national rate. Text costs one standard network rate message. I have no idea what those charges are, but that's what they are. Um, do get in touch. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that. Um, uh, let's, uh, though, Chris Perry, let's uh, talk a little bit more about some other stories. Just briefly, a couple. One, one very serious, one rather more fun. Um, the, there's a big row over a, a US hitman who's on death row over how he's going to be killed. Kenneth Eugene Smith, not a little piece of work, um, sentenced to death in 1989 for killing a woman on behalf of her preacher husband. Um, he is sentenced to, uh, to death uh, in um, Alabama. Um, and uh, they, they want to have, for the first time, a legalised nitrogen execution. Um, tonight, he's set to be the first person in the world to be executed in this method. It's been dubbed too cruel for animals, but uh, his appeal for mercy was rejected uh, by the Supreme Court, and it's going to go ahead. Um, I mean, I don't approve of the death penalty, personally. I approve of tough conditions in jail and dying in jail, coming out in a coffin. Um, but it, if you... The, the, the battles going on in America about how you actually go about killing people when it's state execution are quite bizarre, aren't they? It seems to me, firing squad, quickest, cleanest, job done, 10 people shooting, someone's going to hit the heart or the head, done. Am I, am I, is that too simplistic? Why do they want to do... Why, why they, it's like they're experimenting with these different methods. Yeah, it's extraordinary, Julia. I mean, I mean obviously, opinions are divided on capital punishment, um, uh, but... I believe I'm in a minority. I think the majority of this country I think do you're want right. capital. I think it's a perfectly legitimate view. I happen to disagree with You know, with if it. you put somebody out of this world, then why do you deserve to stay on it, is the view I've heard mm. from a lot of people. So, you know, it's extraordinary. I mean, you know, if, if I were choosing a method, and this is awful saying this, I'd probably take somebody up to 32,000 feet, depressurise the cabin, they just go to sleep, and that's the end of it. I don't understand... Why that is a problem, you know. So why not get that's, a humane way? That's the way, way? to go. I, do you want to know the conversation at the office was this morning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not started by me, I have to point out, with the production team, was how would you choose to die? No. If you, no, if you had to, <laughs> you're going to be executed. Well, and I said, OK, firing squad. It's very interesting. During the uh, Second Civil War in 1648... And you, a, I mean... A, a, a royal... OK, who had this in their, in their 2024 <laughs> lottery ticket? You know, bing, bingo ticket. That they, this would be a royalist about. commander yeah. was going to be shot... 
Uh, and he said to the parliamentary soldiers, he said, guys, you know, um, you're going to have to come a bit closer. You're going to miss me. And they said, sir, we're going to hit you. Don't worry. And he said, you know what? Uh, I've been closer to you than this in battle and you didn't hit me. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Let's also talk about a little bit of another battle that's going on, a bit of a lighter story than uh, state execution, uh, and that is the tea wars between the British and the Americans. Of course, we had the Boston oh. Tea Party, we had that war really uh, many, many, many years ago. Uh, but the war on uh, British tea making was kind of started by some completely mad bent in America. Um, who, let's put that video up uh, of a woman talking about how to make hot British tea. Here it is. Oh, we're waiting for it now. Come on, guys. The team. Oh, come on. Right, here so we go. fill our mug with water. Put it in the microwave. Set it for a minute. Pour the milk in. Drop your tea bag in. Add the sugar. Give it a little stir. And that's how you make hot tea. So this completely mad American woman thought that you made hot tea by heating up water in a microwave, then putting the milk in, then putting the tea bag in, then the sugar in. I mean, insane, insane. Okay, but this all this all hotted up uh, yesterday when a U.S. scientist suggested that actually tea should be made with a little dash of salt. Now the U.S. embassy, all in the U.K., all credit to them, did put out a, a tweet yesterday trying to calm things down after this fuss. Today's media reports of an American professor's recipe for the perfect cup of tea has landed our special bond with the United Kingdom in hot water. Uh, they say tea is the elixir of camaraderie, a sacred bond that unites our nation. And we cannot stand idly by as such an outrageous proposal threatens the very foundation of our special relationship. Uh, they said it was unthinkable to add salt. They said that we will unite in our steep solidarity and show the world that when it comes to tea, we stand as well. And adding the US embassy will continue to make tea in the proper way by microwaving it. They just, yes. I mean, that shot's fired, isn't it? Julia, uh, I mean, what strikes me here, of course, this started in 1776 when they added salt by putting the tea overboard yeah. at Boston Harbour. Oh, you added salt, <laughs> so, exactly. So, so, so they've also got background in this. Just, yeah, there's, I mean, there's an agenda here, people, there's an agenda. But well, yeah. well played, US Embassy, well played. Anyway, let's get back to my question today to you. It's about government plans to give UK families higher priority for social housing as part of a new scheme called British Homes for British Workers. In the front of The Guardian today, and they think it's controversial. I want to know. Do you welcome this? And tell us why. Give us a call on 0344 text on 87222 or get in touch on X at Talk TV. Dan says the Tories have many plans, but don't do action-oriented politics. Oh, I love that phrase. Apart from enabling the mass immigration into the UK. And Dan says, well, this is a nonsense. There is no social housing. It's all been sold off. Also a good point. And Anthony says, everyone gets given a passport these days, so I don't think it will make any difference. Uh, you've also been getting in touch on the phone lines. Keep those calls coming in. Uh, and a lot of you still getting in touch on the subject we were asking about yesterday, which is about the idea of sort of a, a citizen army, is what the, uh, the head of the UK army has suggested we need to sort of bolster our resources in to fight a war. Uh, the government yesterday, the Prime Minister actually had to rule out having conscription. But Michael is in Bury and has got in touch to talk about that. Good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Julia. Good morning. What do you want to say? Were you, were you, were, were you by the way, were you, were you relieved by what the Prime Minister said? It wouldn't be in conscription. No. <laughs> um, I don't believe anything any politicians say anymore. Fair point. They, they just seem to be a, a bunch of um, lying quislins to me. Um, they're shutting our country down, selling it off and then shutting it down. It's yeah. um, like British Steel, the Tata. I mean, Tata Steel in India, uh, they, they um, 
they're actually going to buy a load of aeroplanes Tata Steel yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, also, you can't talk about needing more people in the army if we don't actually have, you know, we'll be able to make any weapons. Why would you want to, why would you want to join the army when nothing, no, nothing's done for us, the British people? Everything's done against us. I voted for Brexit. I mean, I know now that, like, it doesn't matter what I vote, because Brexit didn't happen. Well, it did. We did leave the EU. They just, they just, they just made a hash of it. In name only. It's, it's like we've got leaders in name only as well. Do you know what, Michael? I think a lot of people will echo that. But for me, if we were under attack, if I was under attack, it wouldn't be fighting for the government. It wouldn't be fighting for that lot. It'd be fighting for us. It'd be fighting for our families, for our neighbours, for our friends. Well, I'd fight in, I'd fight in, the, in my street, but that's about it, I think. I'd, I'd want you on my side, by the sounds of you. I, I want you on my side. Uh, that, thank you very much indeed, Michael. I understand that. I really do understand that feeling, though. Just a quick word from you, Chris Parry. There, there are a lot of people calling up yesterday as well, people saying, just don't feel that, that you know, the government's on our side, that, that there is that sort of feeling that, that people are trying to... That the government's trying to help people here. Yeah, Julie, I think, you know, summed up just then. You know, you said I fight them in my streets, but the point is we don't want to fight them in our streets. We want to fight them over there. One of the big things about Israel is you can't afford to fight in your own country. Yeah. The strategic depth isn't there, so you have to fight beyond your borders. Yeah. So we'd much rather fight people before they get to us. Good point. He knows what he's talking about. He's not an armchair general like me. The Julia Hartley Brewer podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories that matter to you. Harder, older, Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer podcast from Talk Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.